Oh, yeah. It's Above the Break, episode 38, and we're finishing out our championship equity rankings. It's part three. As always, this is Nevin Brown, and I'm joined by... James Piercy. Oh, yeah. So oh, we're going to yeah. jump into the news before we pick up where we left off with the 24th best player for your championship odds. But I just want to say this, James. It's a travesty that Carmelo Anthony has not been signed. <laughs> I know that you don't mean that. So it's ridiculous. It's, it's I don't understand. How could a 38 year old that's made the league minimum the last three seasons possibly not have an NBA contract right now? <laughs> yes. It doesn't make sense. When I say it out loud, it makes even less sense. Yeah. No, All right. It's a travesty. It's so sad. Okay, James, let's kick this off with the best news possible for cj mccullum well man maybe not actually when you break it down so mccullum and the pelicans agreed to a two-year 64 million dollar extension that'll keep him in new orleans through the 2025 26 season when i believe he'll be which will be his age 34 season a few quick notes on the contract it's actually the extensions descending so he makes 33.3 million in the first year of the extension and 30.6 Factor in, he was on a deal currently that was basically a two-year, $69 million contract. And what do you think about the Pelicans? Man, I I think this is a smart deal because I just think that the Pelicans are like effectively locked into their game plan and and their core, and and this is what they want to do, and they think CJ is a good compliment to, you know, Zion and, and Ingram. And so it's like, why not? At the end of the day, ultimately... Uh, either Zion can stay healthy and make good on his potential, or this doesn't work. Like they, they, they might as well have an elite floor spacing shot creator around, you know? Yeah, yeah. And McCollum, you know, it realistically, as soon as he got to New Orleans, was really good. He played more point guard, which I think kind of a, was always his best position and the way the game is trended. But Damian Lillard was always better, so kind of forced into an off ball role. This is a great deal because I looked this up on Spot Track. Apparently, that final year is projected to be around like 20.6% of the salary cap. I mean, this is this is a great extension for the Pelicans. And, you know, I think this is good for McCollum in that he gets to lock in and be the veteran presence. We mocked this trade when it happened. So joke is on us. Joke is on us from the at least from the Pelicans side. Yeah, I mean, granted, I will say, like, you know, I, I personally don't think McCollum moves the needle enough to, like, to be like, oh, this is a slam dunk decision for where they're at. But, you know, I think the teams try to get better and it works out. We should acknowledge it. And yeah. the pick that they sent out, like, if they hadn't made the play in, that would have been, it would have been a travesty because they would have sent out a lottery pick. Um, so they kind of, and they were like really bad when they made the trade. So they, they took a risk and it paid off. And, you know, when you gamble and you win, you get to tell everyone that you shouldn't be gambling, that you're stupid and gambling's the best. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Gambling looks great when, when you, when you win, basically. Exactly. Gambling's a great idea when you win. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about something that's less of a gamble and more of just a sad continuation or not even sad, but like it's where this player is at their career. The Celtics have signed Blake Griffin to a one-year deal. It is fully guaranteed. I think it's probably going to be like the veterans minimum 
Celtics obviously have had a lot of front court injuries. They're going to be without Robert Williams for who knows how long. Some people are optimistic and it could be like comes back in December. Some people are more pessimistic and think maybe January. Their backup center, whose name is escaping me at the moment, he just sprained his ankle. Um, Luke Luke Cornett. Luke Cornett. There we go. So yeah, they picked up Blake Griffin, who I think will play some power forward and some center for him. Do you think Blake Griffin can continue the trend of legendary red-haired Boston Celtics? Like the Red Scalabrini. Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, Matt Bonner was the Red Rocket, I think. But Oh, yeah. Um, so, might Carmelo Anthony have been a better signing, though? Uh, funny enough, Blake is a pretty bad floor spacer, man. He shot 26 from deep last year. I'm just looking at it. Uh, you know, he's been inconsistent throughout his career, but he's a 32.7% three-point shooter. And isn't that like primarily what they need out of the position? Really? Like, aren't they just looking for a floor spacing forward? I'm not, I'm not really sure. I love it, but it's not going to make or break them or anything though. Yeah. Personally, I think you're right that when this team's fully healthy, Carmelo makes way more sense, but this team isn't fully healthy. And they're looking at a situation where Al Horford was probably gonna have to play like a fuckload of minutes to start the season. So I can, I understand opting for the guy that you feel like has a bit more defensive ability and ability to play center and like body up power forwards. Like I I get it from that sense. And I think that's kind of what this deal is, is they're getting him for the first 25, 30 games. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, look, Blake is a good passer. He's smart. He's tough. He, you know, he's really become like a crafty veteran and he has hit threes at times so like there's a chance that like this is one of the seasons where he's pretty good and you have that with his playmaking and his ability to just get dunked on now by trying to take charges and like he could be he could be a useful player yeah no doubt it's not it's it's not a bad signing i just wonder if maybe they could look for somebody that shoots a little more consistently but you make some good points it's really this is really about opening the year strong rather than like you know the playoffs Yeah, yeah yeah I think it was like, we need a fucking body in here. Like Griffin yeah. is a fucking body at this point. Sad because young bloods don't remember. Blake Griffin was really fucking good. Um, and now he is not. Okay, the final bit of news, which involves James's favorite basketball team, the Houston Rockets. The Rockets and the Thunder engaged in a nine-player trade where neither team cared about the players they were getting. If I'm not mistaken, the Rockets gave up David Nawaba, who's been on the team for two seasons, really, but they signed him three seasons ago. They have Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, three guys they got in the Christian Wood trade. While Houston got back from Oklahoma City, Derek Favors, Ty Jerome, Mo Harkless, Theo Malden, and a 2025 second round pick. I think, haven't they already waived Mo Harkless? I think Ty Jerome as well. Oh, was it Ty Jerome? Uh, well, yeah, and yeah, I think it was Ty Jerome actually. Mo, Mo's still, I think, not on the roster. Technically, I feel bad for Mo. This dude started with the offseason with Sacramento, got traded to Atlanta, got traded to Oklahoma City, and then got traded to the Rockets. So, you know, frequent flyer miles, frequent free flyer vacation, miles. Yeah. free vacation. What What's your thoughts on this trade? I mean, it's it's. I think I messaged you. This is a nothing trade, but 
Yeah, obviously I disagreed, uh, or that's just because I'm a Rockets fan. But so I've obviously on that note, I have a lot more thoughts from the Rockets' perspective. Uh, I guess the Thunder were, were just creating a, a trade exception. I think I don't really always understand the ins and outs of how those things work. So what I heard, read from Woj's tweet right afterwards is that it gets them like farther away from the the luxury tax, and it opens up two trade exceptions, and they're essentially. And the Rockets took on one million dollars in salary to get a second round pick. So, like they, in one could say they bought a second round pick for a million dollars in like a reductive sense and got a guy in Derek Favors that you could probably turn into something else. So another second round pick. Yeah, you know who knows? Maybe he looks great, and you could get no. You're not getting a first round pick for him. No, no, yeah. So. So uh, really, it's just like one of those small trades that just serves like a practical function for both teams. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I think, as we talked about privately, and we should not get bogged down on this tiny little trade that, you know, nobody else cares about. But I, I do think the Rockets should take advantage of having Derek Favors on the roster, play him 10, 15 minutes a night. I don't think it's going to destroy the lottery odds to put Derek Favors on the floor for a few minutes every night. And Get some data about how some of our guys look w- with like an actual defensive big, uh, which this team hasn't really had in the roster since Clint Capella. So it's it's it, it's a welcome change for me. And I would say it would just make sense. Like I would just want to, I if I were the Rockets, I would just want to see like, well, how effective can Barry be with somebody protecting the rim? You know, like h- how much when he has to cover less ground, how much more damage can he do? And and like th- those are the questions I would have. Last thing I would say is that. I think it makes a lot of sense to take a flyer on Maldon. I I realize that he's been like bad, like he's been straight up bad in his NBA career so far. Yes, he's twenty one. Uh, why not? You know, like I, it's just a little internal competition. Like maybe he blows Knicks out of the water. Maybe that leads the front office to realize Knicks isn't very good. That in itself is a benefit of, of adding him. You know, so yeah, yeah. No, I I mean I I agree with you on a lot of those fronts. The only question I have is like, you know, don't they they already had three centers? If you're keeping Boban, which Go check out Space City Scoop. I wrote three reasons why the Rockets need to keep Boban because, and all three reasons, not all three reasons, the biggest reason is because he's the best, just person in the NBA. He's a great dude. Yeah. And that's important when you're the third string center. But I, I felt like, I feel like Garuba is their backup center or should be. Like if he can't be their backup center, then I just go, what is this player? You know, does he have an NBA career even? And so he's kind of like, like the fourth center on the roster or the third center or someone gets bumped down. So that's the only thing there with favors where I'm not exactly sure how much I'd want to take him on. And then with Theo Malden, I'm like, I agree with you that I think he's probably better than Knicks. It's just the Rockets have a ton of young players and a, like they don't have a bunch of open roster spots. They already have too many guys on the roster that I, I just don't know like if he blows Knicks out of the water, which I would not be surprised by, because I I agree with you. I think Knicks is a G leaguer, and so that would be fine. But even if he does, like what that means, he's the the third string point guard or the backup point guard for the first two weeks until they realize Ty Ty Washington's the backup. So yeah. so yeah, I mean I like yeah. that they bought the second round pick from just the asset management part. I like it. Like you bought a second round pick for a million bucks. You probably get another second round pick for um, Derek favors. 
and that's cool. But in terms of players they got, I just go, you're right. It's like the biggest impact is like, well, can Derek Favors give us 10 to 12 good minutes a night? It's like for a team that's trying to like finish with a top five pick, like that's an inconsequential question in my mind, just because. Yeah. So for like, me, it's more about like, like for me, it's more about like using Derek Favors, right? Like, like to get long term data and to, to yeah. think about future roster construction, right? Like it's, it's not about, it's more about like, do we need a player like this? Like, should we be targeting the 18 year old? Yeah, Derek Favors. Well, don't know? they in yeah. some way don't they have that with Usman Garuba, like from a defensive set? Like, you know, Derek Favors awesome. is like a smaller center, and so that's the only reason why like, I go. Well, look, like if you want to see how they look next to this, you have a guy who kind of approximates this. Might be a better passer, probably definitely a worse a shooter. Definitely a worse yeah. shooter and score. Maybe not quite as good as a vertical threat. Granted, Favors is like thirty, so you know, we'll see how vertical yeah. he still is. I look, I don't hate it. Uh, I just, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, like, I can't believe you can trade nine people between two teams. I know, yeah. And it literally means nothing. It is like, a, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like the biggest small trade in history, right? It's yes. It's it's almost like nothing happened. <laughs> it's it's like nothing even happened. Yeah. Blue game from the Oklahoma City's Thunder side. Eh, you know, they got a shooter in Sterling Brown. So good for them. Floor spacer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's move it. Let's talk about championship equity. Let's talk about championship equity. The news was fun, but championship equity, that is, that's where legends are born. Money is made. And I don't know. I was going to try to come up with why people say, Kevin, how can you say Kevin Durant's not a top 10 player ESPN? I don't know because he's always fucking hurt. Like, that's kind of hard. All right. If you haven't checked out part one or part two or championship equity rankings, you can go check them out where you get podcasts, I guess. Probably. Yeah. Where you get your podcasts, you probably can't because you're listening to this podcast right now. So it's the place where it's available. Not very yeah. complicated. Go to the podcast place. Yes. So episodes 36 and 37 will have parts one and part two. And we're going to finish this up. So we're going to kick it off with number 24. And it's none other than the man, the myth. The conspiracy theorist, Kyrie Irving, number 24 in championship equity. James, let's not talk about any of the weird stuff yet. <laughs> yeah. Talk about the ball player. Well, I'd say if not if not for the weird stuff, he'd be a lot higher on, on the list, right? Because well, you can you can have all the beliefs and whatever you want, but when it keeps you off the basketball floor, it's a big problem, right? Kyrie Irving is one of the most talented lead guards in the league. That's obvious, right? But it's just like, I can't be 100% sure you're not going to run off and join a cult or, like, you know, decide to, I don't know, like, playing basketball is against your new religion or, like, whatever free-thinking conclusion you end up drawing. At this point, it feels like it can routinely affect his career. So I, I think he loses a lot of points for that. Look, I'm going to say this. I don't think Kyrie Irving is going to join a cult, but I am pretty sure he will start one at one point. And that might be even more problematic. Um, I agree with you in terms of like the basketball player. Since he's come to Brooklyn, he's been there three seasons. He's played 103 games. That's not many. But in those 103 games, he's averaged 27.1 points, six assists on 40.6 three-point shooting, 53.62% shooting. 
for a 56.2 effective field goal percentage. You don't need to be a basketball stat nerd to know that what I just said, that's that's like massive offensive production. And he's just, he's when he's not taking himself out of games for weird reasons, basically, you know, being anti-vax and all that stuff and saying for his principles, he also was like a, a, a significant injury risk. And like, so even if like all that weird stuff's behind him, I still don't know how high he could be just because he's been hurt throughout his career. You throw in that other stuff. But this dude in a playoff series, there's not many guys in the league that you can just say, hey, like we like we have no ideas. Here's the ball. Yeah. And we can get like pretty efficient offense. And like those guys matter in the playoffs because when you play really good defenses, sometimes there are stretches of the game where you go, we're out of ideas. Yeah. And we just need you to go create. And he is fantastic. He's also like, Outside of him being a whack job, watching him play is oh, it's, it's better than almost anybody in the league. It is absurd. His his below the rim layup package is probably the best in the history of the sport. Like I, I can't. Yeah, and his handles might be the best in the history of the sport. He's he's an insane talent, man. You can't overstate how talented he is. He's he's fantastic. He's just fucking nuts. But I do think this season he will he will play as many games as he physically can. It seems likely, right? Mentally can. And I think he's going to have a big season. I'm really high on the Nets because they have Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant. And those guys, just the three of them sound like they should be a good basketball team. Okay, Kyrie. Kyrie, known quantity. We all know he's great. We all know his problems. That's why you're the 24th ranked player in championship equity. If you want to go up these, these rankings, start acting like sort of normal. Just sort of normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sort of normal. Let's move to 23 to a player that has been ridiculed in the playoffs for his playoffs performances, I should say, but also has had some massive playoff performances. And his name is Paul George. He's 23rd on this list. Maybe the best superstar 3 and D wing with, I would say, more than three and D because he has real isolation shot creation ability. He just doesn't quite have the playmaking James. Tell me your favorite Paul George story. Like, um, I changed the, the name of my fantasy team to pandemic P when I was getting struck really bad by the pandemic and, and down a lot of players and stuff. My friends thought that was pretty funny. It's probably my best Paul George story. That's a great Paul George story. Well, he's 23rd. What's your assessment of his game? All right. Okay. So you want me to talk about Paul George? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I, th- I think he nailed it, right? He's, he's the three and D wing with secondary shot creation. Well, really, I mean, borderline primary shot creation, I guess. Right. Like he's, Oh yeah. Uh, th- th- these, these types of players are super valuable because he's very scalable. Like if, you know, if Paul George were to team up with James Harden and, and, and the team was to say, we really just need you to like, you know, be a little more of a three and D wing, occasionally look for your own shot he still provides tremendous value you know it's like okay well now he's just one of the best three and d wings in the league so th- these these are the types of guys that like if anything I-, I would expect him to be a little bit higher on this list he is injury prone and i'd say that probably held him back yeah i i love paul george he's great he he's people forget that in his early in his indiana career he led a team with like roy hibbert and lance stevenson and Danny Granger 
partially because I think he missed some playoff series with injuries. They pushed those Miami Heatles to seven game series in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Like he was like, he's like a big time player. Um, his first, no, his second season in Oklahoma City averaged like 28 points per game playing off of Russell Westbrook. I think finished third in MVP voting. Right. Like this dude's like a big time player. My only concern with him outside of the injuries is his age, right? Like we're talking about a guy who's 32. He'll turn 33 this season. He's coming off a year where he suffered an elbow injury, a UCL injury. That's a weird injury for a basketball player. He didn't have to get surgery, but it's something that could flare up again. And when he was asked to carry the load offensively, his efficiency really suffered. We're talking about he had the worst three-point shooting percentage of his career since he was a rookie. The worst two-point shooting of his career since I think is like Indiana days. Not even his Indiana days. Actually, it's pretty normal. But his effective field goal percentage was down. He didn't hit twos that well. He doesn't get to the free throw line in the rim quite as much as you would like for kind of a lead score. But I view him kind of as Chris Middleton plus in everything. And that's like a super great player. Um, but I, I there are some concerns that like he's going to decline a bit this year. And, you know, you get peak Paul George. That's like a top 15 championship equity guy. I don't know if it's. Yeah, he he's a strong candidate to make this look bad. I'm, I'm looking at a few players ahead of him thinking like Paul George could easily contribute more to a title run than, uh, to be honest, Trey Young, Time Lord, uh, maybe even Cat. But with the age and you just giving it away. <laughs> well, the, those players were obviously going to be on the list, though. Okay, yes, right? yes, yes. No, he, 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 <laughs> yeah. he could. He he very well could. I would I would just also say like some of those guys. I'm more confident in playing more and all that other stuff, but because at the end of the day, like you you can, you can't help a team win a championship if you're not on the court. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's move forward. Let's move to everyone's least favorite player in the NBA. Number <laughs> yeah. 22 is Rudy Gobert. I'm a big Rudy Gobert fan because he is the best player at doing the most valuable thing you can do on defense, and that is protect the rim. He's a defensive rebounding monster. He's great on the offensive boards. He has got very little offensive game, but he's a fantastic screen setter and rim runner, and that that ability opens up a ton of stuff for his teammates, even if he's not directly doing anything. He's almost, he's the master of being good at things we don't really see or directly lead to stuff. He's very subtle in his impact, especially on offense. Rudy Gobert is number 22 because last time I checked, every team he's been on for the last like five, six years has been really fucking good. Yeah. So I was looking forward to talking about Gobert, right? Because I, I think that he he really sort of encapsulates uh, what we're talking about here in, in the sense that like, so what is championship equity? On the one hand, uh, I think that we can probably agree that Gobert can be schemed out of a playoff series to an extent, or at least like worked around to an extent. And, and, and that's a problem. And so in a sense, he limits your championship ceiling that way because there's pretty safely going to be one team that can run the lineup that kind of neutralizes him. But at the same time, like he guarantees you, not guarantees you, but but he he, he 
very much improves your chances of making the playoffs uh to the point that it's like you know it's it's pretty certain and really uh you're more likely to get a top four seed too right so like he he gets you so far and then he's kind of like oh i can't really help anymore but he gets you so far that that he's worthy of of probably right about this spot you know yeah and i i do think one of the things that gets my nerves it's like oh like teams can like scheme around them i'm like look you know how good you have to be to be at basketball for teams to scheme around you and try to scheme your strengths away that is the ultimate respect a basketball player can possibly be given so sure can a team run a five out system and neutralize or limit his ability to protect the rim to a degree yeah and that's a problem but the fact that a team basically has to play five out tells you how impactful he is at the thing that he is good at. And that is, that's telling, but I agree, you know, when it comes to playoff time there, you can re- run into a, a situation where Rudy Gobert is not the stifle tower. He's, I don't know. I was, th- is there anything French? stifled tower? What do you think Easy. of that? Yeah, there's stifled the tower, man. The pun- We're not, the word play today is not so good. Rudy Gobert. He's he's awesome, right? Like I just he's a regular season wins machine. And at a certain point, that helps your championship equity too. Yeah. All right. Let's not get bogged down in Rudy Gobert talk. But let's talk about another player that's gonna get bogged down in Rudy Gobert talk. Number 21, Rudy Gobert's new teammate, Carl Anthony Towns. And James. I'm a big cat fan. What's your analysis of Cat as a basketball player? He's pretty much the exact opposite center of Rudy Gobert, right? Which is it's going to be an interesting pairing, man. I'll tell you that the Timberwolves are like one of my league pass teams this year because I'm I'm just I'm very curious as to how that's going to look, you know. Uh, I'm a Cat fan as well. He he's an extremely dynamic and valuable offensive player. He's obviously never really put it together on defense. I'm not really sure that slotting him in at the four is going to improve that. If anything, I fear that it'll it'll make it worse. You know, uh, you need quick feet to guard both positions in, in in the modern NBA. So it, but then people people question whether it's really more a matter of desire with this guy too. And like, if that's the case, it's not going to help. So I, I don't know. It, it's uh, if he could be a two way player, he could be a top five. 10 player you know like if, if if he was a neutral to plus defender there'd be hardly anybody ahead of him but that's what holds him back yeah that's interesting to me because he's obviously an incredible shooter and his ability to be a the, the best stretch five of his era is incredibly valuable and he also has the the ability to put it on the floor, get in the lane, draw fouls, all that good stuff. He's he's as a scorer, he's about as dynamic as they come at the center position. Is his bat is his, his bag as deep as like someone like Joel Embiid or Jokic? No, but you know he's a better fucking shooter than both those guys, and those guys are both really really good shooters. So he's awesome, but his defensive limitations definitely. I think are what hold him back here because as we get through this list, if you're not a two-way player, 
you can't just be a great scorer. You also have to be able to like create. And then on top of that, it still weighs you down. The best players in the league are like offensive hubs and they help you on defense or they're neutral on defense. And the reality is the Timberwolves getting Rudy Gobert told, told us what we already knew. He is a yeah. negative on defense. You don't have a center as gifted offensively as Carl Anthony Towns and say, let's go get Rudy Gobert if you're not seriously concerned about their ability to play championship level defense. And we'll see how it works. I think it's going to work really well in the regular season because I, I just don't know, like in terms of just raw talent, size, shooting, defense, everything, the Timberwolves are just going to overwhelm teams. And yep. they have, they have a, they, their core is young enough and unproven enough and hungry enough that you don't run into that issue that some of these like more veteran teams have, where it's like, they, you know, they take a few games off every year, every once in a while. And like, you know, they drop some games they shouldn't. I feel like this team isn't going to drop games they shouldn't consistently. And they're going to be, I think they're going to be really, really good. Like if they win 58 plus games, not 58 plus, if they win 58 games, I wouldn't be crazy surprised. And like, that's an incredible number to win. And yeah, I I, I would say for me, the Timberwolves have one of the wider uh, ranges of possible outcomes of any team I could think of. That wouldn't shock me. If they got off to a slow start and had an adjustment period and they only won 43 games, that also wouldn't necessarily shock me. What I will say is that I do expect there will be at least a stretch where this will click and look amazing. You know, like, yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's let's push it. Let's push on. Carl Anthony Towns, you're great. You're great. You're great. All right. Number 20, the Carl Anthony Towns of point guards. Trey Young. Trey Young is very simple. He might actually be the most impactful offensive player in terms of like overall production. And he also might be the worst defensive player in the entire league. That's why he's 20 and not higher because the offensive, the the offense is there. I mean, like it's just, it's there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because Trey might actually be the exact opposite player as Rudy Gobert, and it's funny because the outcome is kind of similar, right? This is a guy that, like, as long as you have him, you're probably going to make the playoffs, and if you've got a decent core around him, you've got a pretty good chance of, like, having a pretty good year, but there are fair questions to ask about whether certain deficiencies limit your ceiling, right? I I wouldn't want my team to be built around Trey Young, man, to be completely honest. Like, if, you know... If the Rockets had Trey Young right now instead of Jalen Green, I understand like Trey's a lot further into his career, and but like I, I would not want to be built around a guy that people are going, oh man, this is like the worst defender we've ever seen. Like that's that's unfortunate, you know. Yeah, Trey Young. Also, I, I've said this before. I would hate to play with him because he dominates the ball on offense, and he's one of those guys where people are like, oh, he passes the ball, all these assists. Man, there's a difference between being like a connective passer and a passer that gets people involved and being a passer that's basically passing for you to shoot and shoot only. And so he's one of those guys. It's so heliocentric and like it makes sense to build an offense around that. You basically put some shooters around him, give him a decent rim runner and you are the Atlanta Hawks with the second rate ranked offense last season, right? Like he is like almost an instant top 10 offense. And if you give him pretty good complimentary pieces, it can be number one. Like that is, that's a super valuable offensive player. 
but you know the defense it's just it sucks when your best player who you need on the court to score points also is giving the other team points all the time and can be easily exploited and force the other guys to like work really hard and like make up for it and like that's it's annoying as a player where you're constantly trying to make up for that guy's deficiencies on defense and then when you get to offense it's all about him and never about you and it's just yeah just the the it's not a very egalitarian system (laughs) and let me say this and and i agree very much with all those points but also i got some hair sticking up there um (laughs) okay so the Hawks see the problem, obviously, because they went out and they got DeJounte Murray to pair with them in the backcourt. DeJounte Murray is one of the best point of attack defenders in the NBA, right? So there's some logic there. But DeJounte Murray is not a great off-ball player, so I don't really know what he's going to do when Trey has the ball. People say, well, Murray's going to be now the primary ball handler and Trey is going to play like an off-guard. Okay, fair enough. But if Trey's not going to be the, the Helio center of the offense then why do you have the worst defender in the NBA on the floor? You know what I mean? It's like, I just find that a player with like a, like a massive deficiency like that always requires these compromises. And then it, it just makes them so hard to build around. Like, so the, the spacing is going to be pretty junk. Unless DeJounte Murray has a career year from deep, we're going to be looking at one and a half non-shooters on the floor, right? Cause Capella is a, a zero for zero guy. And then, you know, Murray's like a 32% guy. So what are they going to do? I guess they need to stretch big, but then they lose Capella's rim protection. It's just all these compromises and adjustments you have to make when like, like you can just build a simpler team, you know? So that's, that's, that's my apprehension with Trey Young, but yeah, he's, he's so incredible great. on offense that he's here. He's great. Also his, his shooting is his, his shooting is very good. It's not quite as good as people think it's really his playmaking. That's like his most elite skill in my mind. Look, he's great. He's a 20th ranked player here. If he were to figure out a way to like not be the worst defensive player in the league year in and year out, he would be a top 15 player in championship equity. He's just so fucking bad at defense. Like he, he, he looks like a little, he looks like a little baby out there chasing around adults on defense. He does. Yeah, he does. It's like, it's like, get yeah. out of here. All right. Now, Trey this, Young. Funny, this next player really illustrates what we're talking about in terms of the fact that he's ranked above Trey Young. Would be controversial if we were famous. Tell me who it is. It is my favorite nickname, Time Lord, Robert Williams the Third. He's going to miss a lot of time this season. So we made these rankings before we knew he was going to miss time. Honestly, if I had known how much time he was going to miss, I probably would have pushed him down just because we have the certainty that he's not going to play. This guy's injury prone, and he's still this high because in my mind, he is one of the like five most game-changing players on defense, and he's an incredible rim runner. He's an underrated passer. Like yep. his offensive game isn't just like, oh, I catch lobs and I dunk. Like he's got a bit more juice to him. And in terms of defense, outside of Giannis, I don't know if anyone has better defensive range at contesting shots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in talking about Gobert, Williams is really the best illustration of, of of the value of being able to switch because he basically you, you can't scheme robert williams out of the game and that, that's why he's so high rated to me you know like you want to go five out that's fine robert williams can close out nick batoon threes you know like he's got he's got no issue with doing that yeah he's 
he's absurd. He's absurd. I mean, look, like at the end of the day, the knee injury is a concern. And I, I'm I'm fearful that like we might have already seen the best of him. But if we haven't, yeah. I mean, this guy is incredible. He is an incredible basketball player. And I just I don't know. I don't know what more you can say about a player with his capabilities on the defensive end where the Celtics are like one of the best defenses ever in the history of the league compared to like the average off like average defensive rating like the second half of last season and it was when they changed their scheme to basically put him on the other team's worst offensive player and say you're going to cover up for everyone else's mistakes and most teams best worst offensive player is in the corner so he's still having to slightly defend the perimeter and also the rim and he completely was the linchpin for that defense. I just he he he's worth it. Like he there is like there is not there's nothing about this guy where on defense it would matter. Like he could be the worst offensive player in the league and I still would want him on my team ten times out of ten. But he's my he's my guy. Yeah, you love him. Hey man, like look, the reason why I love this dude is he always graded out great with the uh, the metrics and he still does. He just like was either hurt or didn't get a ton of minutes. And last season was the first season that they like, he really, you know, stayed healthy and played a bunch of minutes. And it was just so it was clear. It was like, yeah, like this dude was obviously great. He's just, you know, he doesn't score a bunch of points and get a bunch of rebounds in the way that we traditionally view like good front court players. Do you want to hear a crazy stat about Time Lord? Yeah, please. His true shooting last year was 74.5%. Yeah. <laughs> like he's a fit like if you're not good at offense, be efficient at offense and he checks that box. All right, let's move off of the time lord and move to number 18. And let's pick up the pace a little bit because this one's very self-explanatory. Number 18 is Chris Paul. Yeah. He could be higher. He's just old, and I think we're baking in, both of us, a little bit of like, can he keep this up? Can he stay healthy? Chris Paul is like the best point guard of his generation. Um, He's still pretty good at defense. He's awesome at offense. He makes every center he plays with look all NBA. He's the reason the Phoenix Suns are where they're at right now. Um, that's probably still a championship contender. So that's why he's 18th in championship equity. I think it's, you know, he swings your odds pretty forward. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, the only, the only thing to say is that you had to bake in the, the possibility that he's going to decline. He's freaking 37 years old, you know? So like it, it, it would be impossible to bet with tremendous confidence that Chris Paul's not, gonna decline next year you know and and i guess he had a pretty rough postseason 2021 22 so we will see what happens uh love paul love paul one of the purest basketball players i've ever seen just excels in every aspect that doesn't involve athleticism you know and i think that's what i mean when i say pure ball player like uh skills he's got everything you know yeah. So one of the things that's crazy, if you go look at his like career play by play, his on off numbers, all positive. 
all and almost always massively positive. Like when he is on the court, his teams are substantially better, basically post his rookie season. Like that tells you how great he is. I am though concerned about one major thing. James, I think I've told you this stat before, but I'm going to say it again. And it's one of the reasons why I'm kind of expecting a bit of a drop off from him. So last season, 34.6% of his shots came from 10 feet to 16 feet from the rim, right? So that's over a third of his shots are in that mid-range, short mid-range um, area. You know what he shot on those shots as a field goal percentage? Just give me a number. Ooh. Uh, somewhere in the, the high 40s? You're wrong, and you're way fucking wrong. He shot 59.2% uh, on those shots. I don't need that's to insane. That is fucking nuts. A third of his shots. Like it's not even like, oh, like low volume, like high volume mid-range jump shooter shooting 59.2. I know he is great at those shots, and like that's the bread and butter of his offense, but his career is 49.3%. Right. So if he regresses, he will regress to the mean. He'll get a he'll drop a little bit there it leaves me concerned that like his offensive production is going to just come down with that as well. And then, you know, that's not even age related decline. That's just math related decline. So, right. yeah, <laughs> you know, so like, look, and Paul's the, great. Yeah. 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 Let's move on. All right. Let's move on to, to potentially a more controversial ranking. This is not controversial. Okay, this is controversial. James is right, but it's not controversial if you have a heart and soul and mind. <laughs> shy, Shay, Shy, is it Shy or Shay? I think it's Shay. I think Shay, like Shay Stadium. Shay Gilgis Alexander, SGA is the 17th best player in championship equity. And I know what you're saying. The Thunder suck. How the fuck could that be the case? And I will say, you suck. Because Shea is the man. This is a player who is only 24 years old. Every season of his career, he's pretty much gotten better. He's improved his points per game. Last season, he saw a massive drop-off in three-point shooting that I think is more of, you know, like a blip. Like, you know, you have good seasons, bad seasons. I think it was like a blip. It isn't in line with any of his other seasons in terms of three-point shooting. This dude is one of the best players in the league at driving, getting to the rim, and creating through drives. That's the bread and butter of like offensive engines in the modern NBA. The Oklahoma City Thunder had a G League team around this dude. Like You could put peak LeBron on a G League team, and I can tell you this. He's not having an easy time making the playoffs. He might be able to do it. Peak LeBron was pretty crazy, but like those teams were not very good. He's now out with an injury. Shouldn't be too serious. But I think SGA could be your best offensive player on a championship contender pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think basically we're just taking a leap of faith here. Like, it, you know, he hasn't proven that he justifies this ranking insofar as literally he hasn't like taking a team through the playoffs, you know, but I mean, he's been in a pretty unique situation with the most openly tanking team in the league. And I think we just both agree that he's clearly one of the best drivers in, in the NBA and, and one of the better finishers. And that, that alone 
is going to carry him far, you know? Yeah, he's also he's he's he shot really quite well in the mid-range last season. He shot well on corner threes. I think just that was a bad situation for him. He's also not a bad defender, right? Like I think that's yeah. like one of the big things is that we're talking about a guy who can be an offensive engine and at 6 foot 6 or is listed at 6 foot 6 who plays shooting guard but also point guard. We're talking about a guy that like has some defensive versatility and like it's just he, and he's shown he can play with other other good players. Like when he was playing next to Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, that in that one season in Oklahoma City, that three guard lineup was like one of the best three man lineups in the NBA. So like yeah. he's he's someone that I see as like he can he can do it all. He's great. He's gonna lead Canada to an Olympic gold. He he could play the three. I think that's effectively what you're saying with the three guard lineup thing. But it's true. Like he he Shea could be a one two or a three. So that's that's if you want to talk about portability, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's great. They, the Thunder just got to put a roster around him, and I think, unfortunately, with um, Chet's injury, that is going to be another lost year of Shea. But I hope they don't do any shenanigans with injuries because I want to see him play. I want to see him play like 60 to 75 games and just torch the league so then we can like come back in the end season and be like, dude, like, we told y'all. We told y'all. Yeah. All right, let's do it. All right. This player, near and dear to James's heart, not just because they share the same name, but James Harden at 16. I love me some prime James Harden. Um, I think this ranking is basically reflective of us hedging our bets being, well, if he's the old James Harden, he's definitely higher. But if he's the old and aged James Harden that we've seen recently, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's much, be- I think he's below 16. So I think it's kind of just that mean where we don't, know where it's gonna go i anticipate that i think that harden is gonna transition into more of like a facilitating role and like i mean he'll still be able to get buckets but 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 i i do think that we're gonna be looking more at a guy that's gonna probably be averaging like 20 and 10 versus 36 and 5 you know like and a career year on defense will go a long way man if, if, if he could like I think he's been personally, I think his defensive limitations have been severely overstated. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, a season where he was like distinctly a plus defender would, would, that would be a really great development for him. Harden's awesome. I think he's already actually moved towards that facilitator role. As soon as he went to Brooklyn, he kind of just took that up and it's not because I think he got bad. It was because he's playing next to guys that could really fucking score and he didn't have that in Houston for a lot of his career. He also what averaged like 29 and 10 one season, led the league in assists. Like Harden's yeah, always a really good passer. He's always been a great passer. Um he lost a hundred pounds this offseason, according to him. Um did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean if he's in great shape and he gets a little bit of that burst back, I think he could be top 10 on this list. And if he's top 10 on this list, I think the Sixers are championship really favorites. Case. I think oh, the championship yeah. if he's yeah. if he's a top ten player, like they're they're that roster with him and Embiid, like that's championship contender. But you know, the last we've seen of James Harden the last season, he was not the same player. And no. and it's like I, I don't know what to believe because he's at that age where it can just happen. But you know, he said he lost weight. He took his shit seriously and we all know when he's right he is one of the best offensive players 
in the league. And as you've correctly pointed out, he's not that fucking bad at defense. Like he's not going to confu- get confused with Tony Allen, but like people out here acting like he's Trey young with a, with a I big know. beard. He's not like he can do some stuff. He just likes to switch because he's lazy. Basically. Exactly. All right. Let's move to the keep top 15. Let's move to top 15. This is all NBA status. All right. We're, we're done with the borderline, all NBA, all stars, right? We're going to all NBA. We're talking top 15 and number 15 is none other than Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. I've never been a huge fan of Devin Booker. I've come around and he is a great player. I still think he's probably overrated by the general public because, you know, yeah, he's just, he, he, he was good in the playoffs and they made a championship run. That's how you get overrated. It's, it's not that complicated. James, Devin Booker in 280 characters. <laughs> yeah. W- one thing that's funny when you look at those sons and like they won the championship and then they won 64 games the next year. And then you and I are both inclined to say that DeAndre Ayton's overrated. Right. And so eventually to me, my, my mind starts going like, well, if Booker's overrated and Ayton's overrated, how they win all these games like Chris Paul's amazing, but he's, he's old as hell, you know? Oh, I can, I can explain it. I explain how they won all those games. They were the best team in like the history of the NBA in clutch time situations. So whenever a game was close, like when games are close, it's kind of like a 50, 50 win loss record. It's like what you would they expect. Got them all. And they got so many of them that it took them to a 64 win team when they're probably like really like a 57 win team. And then like, but they, they made even... the finals the year before though. Like it's not like, like they've got a track record by now. I know. But if you let's go, let's go take, check the receipts. They got the Lakers without AD really. And a hobbled LeBron. Then they got the nuggets without Jamal Murray, which really killed them because like it just, and that, that was a horrible matchup for him because that backcourt couldn't defend anyone. And then who they get in the Western Conference Finals? They Clippers, got... right? With the, an injury, I think. Yeah, Clippers without Kawhi. Kawhi, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so they got to the finals, and like they're obviously really good, but they got to the finals because the three teams they played all had injuries that really made them not as good. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair, fair argument. Devin Booker uh, is extremely skilled. And, I, I, you know, I'm one to say that the NBA is not a skills competition. I, something I say a lot, specifically in regards to uh, Ball Don't Stop, our mutual favorite account. You know, Booker's kind of like the Ball Don't Stop hero in a lot of ways. But his, uh, his passings come around as his career advances. He's going to be a much better passer. And, like, the kid has just really scored. Like, I, I, as a Rockets fan, I think about it in relation to Jalen Green a lot to, to the point where I'm like, if Jalen could develop his skills like Devin Booker, he's going to be unstoppable, you know, because yeah, if, 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 if Jordan. Yeah, exactly. If Booker had Jalen's first step, he'd be Jordan, basically. So, yeah. well, I mean, maybe not quite, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no, no. Like, if Devin Booker had, if he, Devin Booker had Jalen Green's athleticism, he would be Michael Jordan. Now, he might be. Would, that, would that be the best player in the league right now? Maybe not, because I don't think prime Michael Jordan would be the best player in the NBA right now because i think the league is like substantially better but like he'd still know. be one he'd still be one of the best players in the league he'd be right? one yeah yeah I mean, he'd be like one of the yeah. top five players probably yeah all right Booker, he's very good his defense the big thing why i think he's he moved up in my eyes is his defense actually got pretty good last year 
to a point where he is not just a good score with some secondary um, playmaking ability. He is also like a legit solid defender and having a guy like with his offensive capabilities that's able to also hold his own on defense. That's huge. I do have some questions about how good he can be as a primary option when he's not playing off of Chris Paul. Doesn't You've got to wonder. He doesn't get to the rim a ton. He doesn't get to the line a ton considering how many two-pointers he takes. He's a good three-point shooter, and I believe last season was a really – it was a quite a good season for him. But 38.3%, that's the highest he's ever been on three-pointers. You know, Granted, he takes a bunch of them. He's kind of a one of these mid-range guys, and he gets a lot of bullshit ticky-tack fouls that, like, I think he shouldn't get, but he gets them. So whatever. He, I just, I don't see a ton of upward mobility with his skill set because of the lack of athleticism and the inability to get to the rim. And for me, it's like unless he takes a step forward as a three-point shooter and like is able to get like to forty percent at volume. I don't really see how much better he can get on offense, but he's a great offensive player. He can play some good defense and score on his own in isolation. Like that sounds like a guy that really helps you win a championship, but can he be the best guy? We're about to find out. Apparently we're about to find out. Yeah. All right. So Devin Booker, we both agree. We need to see a bit more from, I mean, remember when they made that around the playoffs and everyone was like, he's a superstar. And I was like, I'm a hater. Up the brakes. You're not a superstar until I say you're a superstar and you're not a superstar. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is this is a real superstar or was a real superstar. Number 14 is the is the most loyal man in the NBA. <laughs> so obviously I'm talking about Tristan Thompson. I kid. Uh, Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. I love Damian Lillard. He's an awesome player. Not a great defensive player. He's kind of like, he's very similar to me and Trey Young in that he is a heliocentric pick and roll, awesome offensive engine with defensive limitations. But Dame, not only is Dame fantastic in the regular season, his track record in the playoffs is good enough that I go, this guy can be the best player on a championship team. He just has never really had a championship-level roster around him. He missed all last season pretty much with an injury, so we'll see. This ranking could be a little low. It could be a little high. I think he's going to kind of settle in as that third-team All-NBA at this stage of his career. He is 32 after all. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I for like First of all, as you know, I sort of have some personal dislike for Dame. I, I, I try my best not to let that color anything. Thing. Do you um, have personal dislike for Damian Lillard himself or for the people, for the way people talk about him? For the way people talk about him. And he has no control over that. He has no No, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, and he, like, listen, I, I I think he seems like a good person. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. He's probably the best rapper in NBA history for, you know, for what that's worth. But I have always felt, though, that he, similarly to Trey Young, he limits his healing to an extent because he's huntable on defense. Like, you can say what you want about Harden's defense, even at his lowest point, but you can't really, like, outright hunt him because he's big, he's strong, he's he he can contain guards if he needs to, you know? Like, like Dame is a guy that there are guys that 
can just exploit him. And that's true of some other players that are higher than him on the list, but they're just a little even more special offensively. He's obviously an excellent player, right? Don't get me wrong. Of course, we're talking about Damian Lillard here. Uh, he's spectacular. And I do believe that clutch is a, is a real thing and he's got it. Uh, I'll give him that. I just always felt like, again, he's the player I wouldn't necessarily opt or prefer for my team to build around. I, I, I'd rather... I'd rather any other player type, really. Look. The, Unless you're going to be Steph Curry. Yeah, so here's the thing with Dame. Before last season, the dude doesn't miss games, right? Like, he is a guy who is in, before last season, basically played 90% of every season. And a lot of years, he was playing 82 games, right? Like, this guy is available. Yeah. If that continues because he had, like, apparently this core muscle injury that, it doesn't seem like a recurrent injury because they took they took care of it. His four seasons prior to last season where he basically didn't play, we're talking about 286 games, a 7.3 offensive box plus minus, right? A 60.7 true shooting, a 32.5% assist rate or assist percentage with only an 11.1% turnover percentage at a 30.4 usage. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's just walking, talking, high usage, efficient fucking offense, right? Like, and he he plays every game and he plays a bunch of minutes. He is great. And I mean, the thing that's even nuttier is that he's pretty damn good in the playoffs too. I mean, and so it's yeah. just, He's, oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's obviously. I, I, I'm not disputing his place on the list, so obviously, I think he's great. I uh, just, I don't know, man. Small point guards. I'm always like, I'd rather, I just rather be built around another type of player. You know, I would rather as well. But at the end of the day, if someone was like, "Hey, you get you get Dame Damian Lillard. You draft Damian Lillard." Yeah, that's take, yeah. Like, like it's like like. You would love it if the Rockets had drafted Damian Lillard. He would be your guy. And, you know, if of he, course. Th- the other thing is he's not going to leave your team. The fact that he's, like, you know, going to ride and die with your team, you know. Does this, should that count towards championship equity? I think so. Because if you think I know, about right? I mean, because the, all these guys move, right? And so, like, in the back of your fucking mind, you're always like, shit, this guy's going to move. Like, do we really want to, like, give up the future to go all in? And this guy might just, like, leave us high and dry. Dame, you can do that because he's not going to leave because he he wants he wants to be the king of Portland. I mean, and he might already be. Yeah, no, it's true, man. It's like you know the moves that this team has made in in recent years are moves that a lot of other teams might not have made, right? Like the Lakers could probably trade two first round picks for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald today and get a lot yeah. better, but they're apprehensive about doing so because what if LeBron decides to leave, right? Uh, or AD demands a trade. And the Blazers, they would have it done. So you're right; it counts for something. Let's move like, on. He's great. He's great. He's great. And I, I hope, I hope they, I hope the of all the teams in the West, I hope the Trailblazers don't completely suck. You know, they, they might though. They could. They could. They that, that roster is weird. All right. Speaking of guards, this guy is a little bit, a little bit not the anti Damian Lillard, but he's the. Kind of the complete opposite archetype. Drew Holiday coming in at 13 for the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Drew Holiday was fucking amazing last season. And I think it like went very much under the radar. People are talking, always talking about Chris Middleton's the second best player on the Bucks. Last year, second best player on the Bucks by a wide margin was Drew Holiday. Dude is awesome. Fantastic defensive player. Last season, he had like one of the best shooting seasons of his career. It looks like his offensive game has gotten to another level. He makes it. I mean, when the Bucks won that title, he made championship level plays on defense and offense. And like that is where I, he gets all the way up to 13 for this equity because if he's your point guard, he gives you a chance to win every night. And he doesn't have to do it by just going nuclear on offense like some of these guys do. He's he's almost bad game proof. Yeah, that's right. He's kind of bad game proof. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is where, you know, we just see that defense travels far, right? A lot of people wouldn't like Holiday one spot directly over Dame Lillard. But like at the end of the day, man, the, the best way you can say it, he's 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 bad game proof. Even if he goes four of thirteen, he probably made a positive contribution because defense travels you know and he, like like he's scheme proof like there's never you're never gonna look back on a series and say the other team did something to cause jeru holiday to be the reason the bucks lost you know what i mean like if jeru holiday is the reason the bucks lost it's because he had an extended uh a cold streak on offense like that it's it, it, only jeru holiday beats jeru holiday that's what i'm trying to say you know are you calling him jeru like ja rule how do you say it? Drew. Drew Hall. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. J. Rue. <laughs> J. Rue. That is amazing. That is wow. amazing. No, I mean, wow. actually, it's, it's you know, look, you're up in Canada. So, it, <laughs> like, where you live, there's not nearly as many unique names. So... You're... Hey now, I lived in Toronto for eight years. I've met I've met people, man. Come on. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm not saying you've never met people. Also, the I lived in Toronto is the Canadian version of being like, oh, I lived in New York. <laughs> oh yeah, it's our New York. Yeah, but it is the most multicultural city in the world. So I mean, I did meet you know. I met people all that... walks of life. I, I'm look. I just making making jokes. Speaking of J. Rue, J. Rue. I got defensive. <laughs> Speaking of Drew Holiday, this is why I think that best illustrates his championship equity. So he played for some bad teams early in his career for Philadelphia 76ers and then some okay to not so great New Orleans Pelicans team. You know what? For for his entire career, he's had two seasons, one of them his rookie season, where his team's on-off net rating was negative. Every other season, it's been positive. And... Compared to when he's on the court and when he's off throughout his entire career, his teams are plus 6.9 points per 100 possessions. Just with him on the court, plus 2.7. And that's with him spending most of his career on teams that like weren't playoff teams or if they were, were like borderline playoff teams a lot of times. Like that's championship equity. Like he just, when he is on the court, that your team scores more points, even if you're like not a good team. And let me tell you, since he's been on the Bucks, those plus minuses have been pretty fucking nice too. They've they've even even better because you know he's on a better team. Listen, man, I think we should try to speed round him a little bit moving up. Maybe maybe do him in groups of three and talk about the, the groups of three. You know what I mean? Okay, I like that. All right, that I like that. Okay, so we're moving on to player 12, 11, and ten for championship equity. Now, be- before you reveal them, I don't understand how. 
11 is behind 10 to be honest i i, I don't know how that happens well we i'll tell you it. this and well you know what because when i give you the reason why you'll go oh this makes a lot of sense yeah okay all right number 12 ja morant number 11 joel Embiid, and number 10 anthony davis real quickly touch on ja morant it's pretty self-evident the dude is really 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 good at offense he is not a good defensive player. I know he has some incredible highlight reel blocks, but yeah, he is a but... bad defensive player, right? Like, I remember yeah. listening to Michael Wilbon be like, John Morant's a better defensive player than Luka Doncic. And I'm like, Luka's not good at defense, but he's definitely fucking better than John Morant because just because you have like one sick block doesn't mean you're a good defensive player. So no. I, think, I, I hate that shit. Oh, he, yeah, get out of here. So. <laughs> Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid. You know why Anthony Davis is above Joel Embiid? No. Because Anthony Davis is a far more versatile defender. Embiid is a drop coverage big. He and yep. like to me, yep. I think if we're if we're gonna dock Rudy Gobert for not being switchable or not being at his best when he switched or on the perimeter, you can't just pretend that's not a concern with Embiid. Also, how far has Embiid ever gotten in the playoffs? Not as far as Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis played with LeBron James. Oh, oh no, no, wait, 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 okay. Name some of the teammates Joel Embiid's had. No, no just name them. This is, I want to hear some of them. Uh, what about ben Jimmy Simmons. Butler? Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. James yep, Harden. Yep. Right. Tobias Harris isn't a bad. Well, is it, we had one season with with Harden. Look, my point is, is that. We people, it, it, I have this issue with Embiid and Embiid stance. People make a lot of excuses for why Embiid hasn't been more successful for enough for other players that they would not do it. And I think my thing is being 11th in championship equity when you've never been to the conference fucking finals, when you've been on great teams with great players and you're a drop coverage big and your offensive game isn't as efficient as like some of your peers because you kind of, you know, want to play like a two guards you're a bad passer your turnover machine like he is not as good as people think he is but he's still really fucking good because 11 is great and eight, eight let me say this i am on the cusp of agreeing with you but i think all those points i would think were stronger if the sixers fall short this year we had to start having some conversations about Embiid if they fall short this year but i do think for the time being it's fair to say that he's only been Except for last year, which, you know, they only acquired Harden at the deadline. So they didn't really have a lot of time to get it together. Otherwise, he's always had this Ben Simmons thing hanging around. And, like, I know that oh. you're high on Simmons. And I'm not saying Simmons is, like, bad. But they they weren't a very functional duo. Like, they, like they you know, they just didn't work well together. Uh, and so, to my mind, he's never really been, like, in an ideal situation. That one year with Jimmy Butler, you know... They lost by a by a crazy bounce, <laughs> like but like I mean they probably should have got further that year. I think that's the most damning evidence of your of your point is that also how come we couldn't get to the conference finals with Jimmy Butler? Yeah, but but that's the thing with Davis. He's Davis has been hurt for like two straight years. We don't know if he's we don't know if Davis is even top thirty really, right? We don't like at this point. If Andy so, Davis is healthy, he's a top thirty player. If he's healthy, he's a top fifteen player. I just I view Davis as a guy where. You get it. Like, 
the thing with Embiid is he has to play center and he has to be a drop coverage guy. Anthony Davis can play that Robert Williams time Lord role, right? He can be just as good practically as Robert Williams. Who's 19th on this list. And oh yeah, he can get you like an efficient 25 points night in and night out. Right. Like I think Davis is like a better player than Embiid pretty significantly. Um, in terms of like, if I had to pick who is like, if to be my best offensive player, I'd may probably lean with Embiid, but I think it, Davis like is he's awesome, and I think look at, at a certain point I just go the one constant for these Sixers teams that haven't been as good as people thought they should be has been Joel Embiid. Yeah, well, what? except for. It was Simmons besides one year where they, they got their guy at the deadline. Like, half a season is not enough time to gel. So I, I would just reserve those arguments You're for next year. I know, but my point is is that think about all the players who have all these reasonable excuses like Embiid does that do not get, that people do not care about those reasonable excuses. Okay, that's true. But you shouldn't penalize Embiid. You should relieve the other guys. I'm I mean? not penalizing Embiid. I just think at a certain point, it's like, hey – if you were better than this, wouldn't you have had more success? Because people talk about like Embiid and Simmons not being a good fit on offense. That may or may not be true. That probably is true. Were they not a fantastic fit on defense? Like, did we not just see the two best defensive teams make it to the NBA finals? Like the, the whole, yeah, but they were, Embiid, yeah. the whole Embiid Simmons things like, Oh, they don't fit on offense. Well, they're like, the best and most one of the most versatile like defensive players in the league with one of the best drop coverage centers in the league like that's the nucleus of a really good defense he played with al horford al horford played with time lord and guess what that pairing didn't work as well on defense as people thought it would like i think Embiid is a great player but i think he's one of these guys where he makes it harder to build a team around he's not super versatile he's a give me the ball let me score type of player on offense he slows it down he doesn't improve he doesn't make other guys better outside of the fact that like he sometimes gets double teams on offense on defense you got to play a drop scheme right like he's the sixers were a bad rebounding team last year that's not all on Embiid, but like i think like there's he puts up a bunch of points and people love guys that put up points and he does it with flair and style and he can be unstoppable at times. But I think there's more holes in his game than people want to acknowledge. And I think that's one of the reasons why Sixers haven't been as good. And saying he's like the 11th best player for your championship odds is basically saying, I think you're an amazing basketball player. I'll say this, and we should move on. Uh, Davis is the only player that we have ahead of him that I would protest. So if you want to make the case that he's a bit overrated, I would say you're right because most people have him in their top five players in the league. And in my opinion, uh, nine through one on our list, all give you better championship equity. Yes. I'll say this completely healthy. Anthony Davis. Do you take that over Embiid? Yeah, I might. I might. Yeah. One of the major reasons that I'm, I have apprehension here is that I'm like, I really have no idea what to expect from Anthony Davis moving forward. I, I, I get ugly shades of like, this guy's career is getting cut short. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I hope I'm wrong. I very much hope I'm wrong. Yeah. He's fortunately hasn't had any of those like injuries that are like, Oh no, there are like, just like small nagging things. That's like, Oh, he's out for, you know, a month. He's out for a month here. It's like, it's those little things that don't, but you know, sometimes those paper cuts add up. 
Okay. Yeah, exactly. Let's move to nine, eight, and seven because these guys are all pretty similar in terms of the position they play. And to a degree, some would say style of play, but I think they all have slightly different flares. Number nine, Kawhi Leonard. Number eight, Jason Tatum. Number seven, Jimmy Butler. Can, can we agree that if Kawhi wasn't by far the biggest injury risk of these three, he'd probably be the highest of the three? Like, to, oh, yeah. to me, that's oh, the main yeah. thing that holds him back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, we just, we haven't seen Kawhi play in a year and he's coming off an ACL. I think, like, having him over those two who we both saw recently and were both really good in leading teams on deep playoff runs. Yeah. Like, you just, you can't do that. But I agree with you 100%. Kawhi, the last time we saw Kawhi play, he was maybe the best player in the league. Yeah. Like what he did in those playoffs before he tore his ACL was nothing short of like just absurd offensively, defensively. If he's back to that, I apologize, Kawhi. I just, I, I, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Kawhi? Al Hyde Leonard? I can't just, I can't just <laughs> put you over people when you're coming off an ACL like that. Um, yeah. Story so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Butler and Tatum. Yeah, I, I have an immediate thought that I want to share about Butler, which oh, is yeah. that I, I think Jimmy Butler, if you care to count this towards championship equity, has a he gives you this intangible edge that might be top percentile in the league. Like, there's just a if you want to talk about guys that just give you an indescribable, like it's a little bit of an intimidation factor thing, it's a little bit just like his his willpower. Butler has that more than anybody else, whatever that is, you know what I mean. I call it intensity. Um, yeah. And I think like intensity in sports is incredibly important. And I think having a player who's really good on your team that is the most intense has a really good positive effect. Now, there it, it does come with the, the double-edged sword that like those really intense people can wear other people down. And it's not always the most sustainable type of energy for your best player to have, but it's also necessary. Um, and so I, I agree with you. Like Butler's in, in intensity is incredibly important. And if you surround him with players that can handle it, you, I mean, the heat just every fucking year overperform because of him. Yeah. Um, and well, because great. of him and because. That they recognize that okay, there's a couple things at play. They recognize we have to put players around this guy who can who who can handle what he is. So they got a team full of intense guys, you know, and that that, that tends to bode well, right? Also, that's been your favorite buzz phrase, uh, heat culture for a long time. I I know it's silly, but it is true that this team has tended to target like workhorses and got guys that, you know play hard and work hard and are generally intense. It's like, so Jimmy Butler's kind of been their perfect uh, franchise player. Yeah. So Butler's at seven Tatum's at eight next season. I could see these two guys easily flip flopping. You know, Butler's at that age. It, he is a very underrated playmaker in my mind. He's like, he gets a lot of assists, doesn't turn the ball over much, gets to the free throw line a ton. So he's like efficient scoring through your non-traditional, not your, kind of a traditional channel, but like you're not like, oh, great field goal percentage. He can't really shoot threes, 
but he's one of the most versatile, best defensive players in the league when he when he needs to be, and he tends to tends to be doing that. So he's just as a two way force, he's he's fantastic. Tatum to me is interesting though. We saw him take let a leap as you, a playmaker. Yeah, big leap. But let, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, you you were talked earlier about Devin Booker and how it, it's a little difficult to see uh the avenue to improvement for him, right? Yeah. Would you say the same about Tatum? Because I, I, I don't really see how or where he, he gets much better. Tatum, I agree with you in that his because his athleticism isn't elite. The one thing he has over Booker that's huge is he is just just a taller, bigger person. And so there's, I think, a better avenue for him to, as he ages, just to be like kind of one of those guys who's like kind of in that Kawhi range where Kawhi is just so strong that like he gets his shoulder on you, creates space and like is able to like get to the rim or closer to the rim or get more open shots because of it, just because he's stronger. But I, I do agree. I think Tatum, it doesn't have much ability to kind of crack top five player in the league. I think he's kind of at the the stage where he's going to be like being eighth in championship equity is obviously like super high. I just don't think he's the physical juice and like, you know, granted, like he could become like a 40 plus three point shooter on incredible volume. And then that completely changes everything. But projecting that for anyone's like, you know, that's, Hey, go be Steph Curry. You know, there's one Steph Curry. for yeah, a reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, of also, course. Yeah. I guess he's also better than Booker on defense. Like that's the other thing. Like he's yeah. a good defensive player and yeah. You know, maybe he can add a bit more playmaking. Like that was kind of new to his game. Uh, maybe he can get to become a, a slightly better ball handler. Like we saw him struggle a bit with pressure and that. So like, I think there's avenues for him to get better, but crack that like top five, top three. Like this guy leads you to a championship because he's just awesome range. I'm skeptical he can get there, um, just because it's like there's not that like obvious like, oh like he just needs to add this. It's like he really needs to like add a lot of different little things and he's already really good at a lot of stuff and it's just you know once you're that good it's hard to get better yep let's let's move on to the next group okay this is the old man group old man still got it group this is logan the final wolverine film even though wolverine's coming back in deadpool number six in championship equity one of my favorite players of all time lebron james Number five, Kevin Durant. Number four, Steph Curry. Personally, if it wasn't due to injuries, I would have KD and LeBron over Steph. But KD and LeBron have been a bit more hurt than Steph recently. And that's kind of important. These are three inner circle Hall of Famers. Are these three players top 15 all time? Uh, well, I mean, certainly, obviously, LeBron, right? Yeah. I mean, probably all three of them. Durant is probably on the, the periphery, and it, it depends on your criteria, right? Like, different people have different measures. You know, there's some who are going to hold uh the means by which he got rings against him. Like, if you're a rings culture guy, you're going to go, well, he's only got two, and he had an MVP, uh teammate which most guys don't have and you know like we never saw him like like we never saw kevin durant is by far the best player on this team and he won a championship you know like so well, we, we we did see that and it was called those two he won in golden state and 
I don't know, man. Curry's got two without him. Durant's got zero without Curry. Yeah. Um, well, that's well, here's the thing. When when Durant was on those teams with Steph Curry, who you're suggesting is possibly better, who did the team treat like the best player? Kevin Durant. They treat like that was how yeah, that but... operated. I, look, hey, man, they're the ones working with them. Not us. No, and I don't. That's... I don't think that's necessarily true. I th- I think that the system remained Curry and Durant inserted into the system. The whole thing was so broken that it that you can't even hardly treat it as a fair judgment. You know what I mean? It's like it's like who's the best player on Team USA? It's like who cares? Like like you know, Barkley tended to statistically outperform Jordan on Team USA because they were just like, well, we have all the best players in the world and we're playing against a bunch of amateurs, so like. Just let Chuck fucking run the ball at the floor. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, like there, there comes a certain level of talent where it, it changes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like if me and you were playing against a bunch of seven-year-old girls. Like, if I have a better game, am I a better player than you? You know, I, I, I don't think so. That's true. That's a fair point. Now, calling the Cleveland Cavaliers a bunch of seven-year-old girls is <laughs> a little bit of a. That's a little bit of shade. Okay, let's actually talk about where these guys' games are currently. Yeah. I I really think Curry should be second on the list, to be honest with you. I ranked him second, and I, I believe – I just think his track record is, at this point, unimpeachable, man. Like, and, and, well, see, and, thing. I ranked him six, so yeah. Yeah, so that's why I saw him in the middle. Oh, yeah, it's, you know. Look, look, look. It with, takes with two. Curry, with Curry, I'm, I'm just going to say this with Steph Curry. Obviously, the last time we saw him in the playoffs – he was he was great. He was leading the Golden State Warriors to a championship, right? Like that is indisputable. He had a great finals. Matter of fact, that was like, you know, his best finals of his career. There's a reason he hadn't won a finals MVP before then. And it was the reason why Kevin Durant has two and he had none from those previous runs. Cause guess what? KD was better than that. I'm not a big like finals MVP championship, blah blah blah. Like those matter. Like Curry last season statistically had one of his like worst seasons and yeah. he's 33, 34 years old. And I just go, I mean, when someone's at this age and they have their worst statistical season in a while, I go, okay, that's like, that's called decline. But like when you start declining, you usually don't like pop back up to those levels. And I just look at it. I go, I, I just don't see how this guy is going to move the needle enough in the regular season compared to some of these other dudes. Yeah. Okay. That, so you're ba- you're baking in some some projection there, which is well, definitely definitely reasonable. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like, l- let's just go let's just go take a look um at his previous you know few seasons, right? Like his age twenty nine through thirty two season, it gets like you know six games of that lost season he had in twenty nineteen twenty twenty eight point four points on a sixty point five effective field goal percentage, forty two percent from three, forty eight percent from the field, right? Like that's big time. Last season, it dropped to 25.5 points, an effective field goal percentage of 55.4, which was the lowest since his um, age 24 season when he, you know, well, he's still good, but it was a slightly different era of the league. Shooting wasn't quite as good, so not that great. It's his, like, worst three-point shooting season of his career and a season he played more than, like, you know, five games. So I just see all that stuff and go, okay, like, he's, he's, he's 33. He's getting old. Like, the numbers are going to start falling off. Like he was great in the playoffs, but I think that kind of obscured the fact that like Curry wasn't peak Curry anymore. And that's still what the one of the best players in the NBA. 
let me make this case, man. Can you name another player who like who is a, a walking unique offensive system? There are other players, Jokic, Luca, LeBron, who I think Jokic actually maybe 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 Jokic, but Curry, I think is 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 a more inherently unique system. Jokic is like he's still like a primary playmaker. It's just that it's your big instead of like a like a lead guard, you know. He's just like a seven foot, two hundred and seventy five pound lead guard. Like, which don't get me wrong, it's very unique, and I I love Nikola Jokic and everything. But like, but Curry has I think the most singular ability I've ever seen in sports. Honestly, like like his shot, his range, and the accuracy on his range is is that special to me. And I just think he gives you an edge that no other team has. Like. Like as much as I also love Luca, that's just pick and spread. Like that's what the Rockets try to do with Harden. It's, you know, it's kind of what LeBron does. Really, it's just that LeBron in his prime was so good that it worked. But do you know what I'm saying? Like Curry, it's just well, it's it's different. It is different. Now I, I do think like one of the issues is like you're like oh what, what Curry runs is so different. Is it is it that he is so unique, or is it that the Golden State Warriors? coaching staff is running a novel offense and or is it more just like the rest of the nba is so fucking out of like broken and out of good i new ideas that they all just run the same fucking shit um you know so it's like well no i i I mean look i agree with you in principle that like his his off-ball gravity is the greatest we've ever seen it's completely unique and his mere presence creates opportunities that in a way that no one else does. Now, I will also say that, like, you know, when LeBron James has the ball in his hand and you give him a pick and he's able to get downhill, that creates opportunities too in a pretty unique and valuable way as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, look, the way I see it is Curry, man, like, I had Curry six, right? Like, I'm not like saying like he's washed. I'm just saying, like, of I think, course. you know, it's like he's still super good. I just, you know, at a certain point, it's like, hey, like if he isn't what he once was, th- that gravity starts to lessen, right? Like, and teams will pick up on that. And like, if that's the case, I'm just, I'm concerned that like Curry's a- in a bit of decline. And like, if he's in a bit of decline, heading into his age 34 season, that's not surprising. LeBron has no. been in decline. He's just started at such a high point and it's been not very steep that he's still one of the best players in the league. Same with same with like Durant almost, right? It's just like people are like, oh, these guys, like, you know, they just age, you know, they're so great. They age different, you know. No, it's like when you start from a high enough point, your decline doesn't look so obvious because you start at the top. And like that's kind of where Curry started out, you know. And look, if you want to put Curry higher, I'm not gonna fight you on that, but I just I have a hard time believing a 34 year old who just had like one of his worst statistical seasons. Even let's if they're not the time great. Let's get those. Let's get those last big names in. All right, number three. It's funny. Anybody listening knows exactly who these three players are going to be, and pretty much knows who number one is going to be. I'm just okay. thinking as as a listener, you know, I'm like, wow, well, just turn it off right now. Realistically, don't don't just don't fucking listen to James because we have a big <laughs> curveball. Number three, Monta Ellis. I know he's not in the <laughs> league. <laughs> Ball don't stop rankings. Yes, ball don't stop. Jamal Crawford, number two. He can still get a bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Hezzy, tween, splash. 
He doesn't like. I don't even think he understands. He just says buzzword. Okay, that's oh, we gotta word. finish this up. Number three, yeah. my favorite player, Nikola Jokic. Number two, Luka Doncic. And number one, the obvious and only answer. If this is not your answer, you're wrong. You you're don't wrong. Under, either. You don't understand basketball, or you you're the fan. You're trying of, to galaxy brain it, and yeah, you're, you don't overthink oh, it. You, yeah, it's it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right, like yeah. number one, best basketball player in the world. Is, yes, yeah, he changes your your team on both ends in MVP level fashion. Individually, he's the most important player on a team that should compete for the title. Won a title two years ago. Um, like even with a man down against a great Celtics team, he like absolutely went against that defense and like put up big time numbers and they were very, very close to winning that series. And if they had, you know, maybe they would have repeated as champions. Giannis, like what, what do you want to add anything about Giannis? Like, you know, he's good. No, dude. man. What can you say? You know, it's funny. Cause you say like, I, I said, Curry gives you the most unique uh, system or, or, or however you want to frame that. But Giannis gives you, a defensive system and and really like like on both ends of the floor uh, system like Giannis is just a game breaker man you know like I what wh- what can you say about the guy if if he was in a if he was a routinely efficient three point shooter he would be by far the best basketball player ever like that's that's pretty much like all you can really say is like well he doesn't really connect from three very often if he if he was a great shooter he'd be he would be wouldn't he like wouldn't he be the best yes. basketball player ever like like yeah he's six eleven incredibly fluid and mobile and agile and, and he can handle the ball like a guard and he's got passing chops and like he, he he's not realistic except for the fact that he can't shoot that's the only yeah. thing that you can look at him and go like okay this is not some kind of like uh american government experiment you know like uh friggin' there's nothing nothing nefarious going on here like it, it's hard to believe your eyes with this guy man yeah, he very much does have the super soldier vibe where you're like, okay, like, yeah, this seems bullshit. This isn't fair. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Giannis has a chance. I, I don't think he will. Like, you know, he has a chance to, like, be one of the five greatest players of all time. I um, think he probably would. Fought. Well, yeah, it's hard. He has to, a chance. It's, it's hard. hard. You know, he needs to yeah. do a lot to get there. But he's done he a lot. Two more already. rings, at least. Really, yeah, maybe yeah. another MVP. But we're my guys, like you know, won two MVPs and the Defense Player of the Year and a championship. And like, was not only just like, oh, he got the championship. He was great in those playoffs. He was great in the finals. He closed out the series with like a fifty piece. Like, they came back from a two zero deficit. Like. He's he's checked all of the boxes already. He retire right now, and you know I wouldn't put him top ten just because of longevity. But I would say in terms uh, of like twenty peak, though, in terms of peak, he would have a top ten peak of all time. Probably, oh, easily, right? Yeah. So like he's he's absurd. Um, no argument there from anyone. Or if there is an argument, just just stop so making you, it. Yeah, stop it. Just just take the easy. Sometimes the the obvious answer is the right one. There's a reason. That's right. Obvious. That's right. How did how did Luca sneak in over Jokic? So Luca snuck in over Jokic because I put Luca second and you put him third. And I put Jokic third and you put Jokic fourth. And I oh, love Oh yeah, so right, yeah. I, I fucking love Jokic. I think he's I think he's the best player in the league. What? But Look, look, listen, listen. I think he's like the best player in the league. Like, 
he you like he creates offensively at such a level that like we saw what he did last year at the Denver Nuggets, right? Like that what roster, are Giannis? Well, that's what I'm saying is that I do think Jokic's limitations on defense make it harder to win a championship than it does for Giannis. And that like, hey, Giannis can be your primary rim protector. He can be your center. Oh, guess what? Giannis can also like build like a super sick defense next to Brooke Lopez. That's you a free safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you can't do that with Jokic. And at a certain point, championship equity also is kind of like roster flexibility because the reality is to win a championship, you can't just pick each perfect player that like fits your team. Like it, no. it, having a guy like Giannis who just like you can put just about anyone around them as long as like a few of them can shoot and you're good. Jokic on defense, you need certain players. Now on offense, you could probably put just about anyone as long as like, you know, a few of them can shoot. Even though they don't even have to be great shooters and you're gonna have a sick offense. So like he is, uh, he's third, like we're splitting hairs. But you know, Let's talk about Luca. Why is Luca the second best player in championship equity in your mind? Well, he's not. I mean, but, you know, <laughs> he, he, he is now. He is now. He is now. Because yeah. Steph is in, not in our hive mind. In our uh, hive mind. Well, you know, he too is a walking offensive system. Maybe it's a little bit less of like a sophisticated or unique one than the one that Curry gives you. But. I mean, at the end of the day, a guy that you can just give the ball to and say make a play, as as we suggested earlier, is exceedingly valuable. And, like, this is a guy, like, if you just want to run a simple, like, pick and spread type of attack with, with a heliocentric ball handler, you can't do any better than Luka Doncic. And that style is going to take you far. And realistically, it, it could easily win you a championship someday. Like, I, I'm not so low on the helio. Here's what I think, right? A lot of times, these guys are on a heliocentric offense. And it's really because the team hasn't found the right player to put with them yet, right? Like, Harden was the the poster boy for heliocentrism for a long time. And then the Rockets just added Chris Paul, and then it's like, well, now it's 60% Harden's offense and 40% Paul's offense. Like, like Lucas is waiting for his Chris Paul, really. So I, I, I don't think there's anything inherently, like, limiting about this style, you know? Um, I, I, I think lots of guys could thrive alongside Luca. Really. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had this conversation... I think we we literally talked about this topic with like heliocentrism. It's like heliocentrism isn't a problem with the player. It's a problem with the fucking roster. Like no team <laughs> is like, no team's like, oh, well, like let's just build a roster where like only one guy is capable of generating offense. And like, right. And so, like, it's, it's, it's like, look at the Mavericks now. What are they going to do? They're going to say, well, you know what? Uh, I guess we ought to have Spencer Dinwiddie like running a lot of possessions because we wouldn't want to be a heliocentric team. It's like, no, he's not really that great. So probably just like give him the ball here and there, you know, like as appropriate yeah. to what he ought to have. Yeah. I mean, Luca, Luca for me, what makes him so special isn't just the like, yeah, like here's an offense. It's he's also really big and that's so crucial because it makes him not ass at defense even without having to put in like a ton of effort because he has to put so much effort on the offense like that's like the game changer between him and like a guy like trey young like the difference between him and trey young on offense like i don't think is like that different it's just that luca is big as shit and so he's a really he's a good rebounder like is rebounding a super valuable skill no but the difference between like the second Yeah, and so it's like you know, finishes possessions. He can. He's just better at defense. 
than some of these smaller ball dominant guards. And that's what he is. He's just like a ball dominant guard. He just happens to be in a, you know, small forward to power forwards body. Yeah. Let me say this too. I, I, Trey is incredible, incredible offensive player, but I think that if in some weird world where transition was taken out of NBA basketball, right. Where like, you're not allowed to run. You got to slow down and set something up, you know, like, you know, you might play that way, run like practices with your team or something. Right. Like, yeah. Like me and my me and the guys will scrimmage sometimes we'll say, okay, no, no transition. Like just slow down, set a play up, everybody play half court, you know? Um, if that's how the NBA was played for some dumb reason. I I I think Trey's offensive rating would be depressed a little, right? Like I I, I think there are ways to get around him in half court sets because he's so small. If you pack the paint enough and his shots off, whatever, like you can you can account for him, right? Luca is just as good in the half court as he is in transition, really, because partly because he's so big, as you said, but it's his craftiness too. I'm not saying Trey's not crafty because he is, but Luca is really one of the craftiest players I think we've seen in a long time. And yeah. sneaky, so he's, sneaky. He, he is. He, I mean, he is. He. I mean, like, and this is why he's second because there is nothing you can do. Yeah, exactly. He's just gonna get you from every angle. Yeah, it's like Prime Harden, man. He's yeah. just Prime Harden reincarnated. Really, he just he yeah. just. He hit his stride younger, so he has more of a chance to like have an even more storied career. But really, there's, yeah. there's yeah, you know what I'm saying. There's very little difference. Her, Lucas maybe a little craftier, and Harden had better burst, but like there's very little difference. Yeah, but you know, Lucas bigger, right? Like you know, like and and that that helps him in other areas. Look, like you know, there's nothing you can do about Giannis, but with Giannis, you 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 at least have a strategy to being able to minimize what he does. You're like, well, just build a wall around the rim. It's probably not going to work, but like, there is something to try. Yeah, there's something. There's like, there is clearly a way conceptually to stop um, Giannis. It's like he needs to be able to get to the rim and finish there. No one's able to stop him. With Luca, there is no, there's no like conceptual way to stop him. It's just how do you want to, how do you want to lose this? And or like it's like oh well like we'll force his teammates to beat us. It's like okay, but like he's gonna get them really high value high value shots, and like maybe that's the way to do it. It's like oh we'll like play off of him. It's like you know he doesn't shoot well from three point range as a percentage, but it's because ninety percent a massive percentage of them are like super high difficult, very highly contested. Yeah. yeah, it's like if you just sagged off of him, he would murder you. Okay, well yeah. like you know we're gonna contest all this threes. He'll still hit some step backs. But then he's going to get into the lane. Oh, when he gets in the lane, we're going to collapse on him. Oh, we, it's like there's nothing. They'll just find the teammates then. Yeah. yeah, like one way or another. Yeah. There's just, there's that, 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 that's what made, that's what made Prime Harden so good too. It was just like, yeah. there is no solution, right? Remember, yeah. not, I know we're talking about Luca and not Harden, but do you remember the, the Utah Jazz trying to guard Harden from behind and take away the step back? Like, yeah. like that's the kind of mind melting that, that an offensive player like this does, right? Like, yes. and, yeah. Luke is great. And basically the only reason I think I have him over Jokic is simply I think at the end of the day Jokic what he does best is he shares the ball. And while that's great for regular season success, I do think like you can beat Jokic or minimize his strengths to a degree. Because you're basically saying like, okay, like we'll let you share it, but you're sh- these guys aren't worth sharing it with, you know, like yeah, 
you know, and granted, in the, in the, in the playoffs against Golden State, he like it was clear like there were moments where he realized like I just need to go get a bucket, and, which he can. We're splitting hairs here now. Which we're oh, talking we're about splitting hairs. You right? know, like if yeah, you know, I you look like if Jokic like had forced like like you know a game six or seven against Golden State, he'd probably be two, right? Like part of this is just like yes. recency bias, right? Because like yeah, sure. Let, yeah. let me say this as well in comparing the two, right? Um, but neither is a great defensive player, right? But that's just yeah. a bigger strike against the big than it is against the guard. You know what I mean? Especially uh, yeah. when Luke is so big that he can't just be outright targeted. Like, yeah. like we don't know. You can hide it. Exactly. You can hide it. That's all. Yeah. Like, you can, so. like at the end of the day, it's like Jokic has like actually become a pretty damn good defensive player. Well, better. Yeah. Yeah. No, but like, I mean, like, look, I'm not saying when I say pretty damn good, I'm not saying like, oh, like, you know, he's all defense, but I'm saying like, he's a good defensive player, right? Like he's in the grand scheme of things, centers are the best defensive players. Is he one of like, you know, the top 10 defensive centers? No. But like, if you told me he was in between 11 and 15, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like I could see yeah, I could true see enough. that. Yeah. And if yeah. you're one of the, you know, middle of the pack defensive centers, like you're one of the best, you're, one, you're like a good defensive player. It's like period. It's just, you know, you you can't hide him, and he has some exploitable holes. So, it's it makes it a little bit tougher. Um, I man, I wish I'd put Jokic second. Should have, but <laughs> let's let's I, take it home, man. It's been a long uh, one. All right, it's been long. We had to finish out the championship equity rankings. All right, yeah, man. This was episode thirty-eight of Above the Break Championship Equity Rankings Part Trace because we are a bilingual podcast uh when i say numbers sometimes (laughs) um as always this is nevin brown i'm joined by james equity piercy oh yeah do you do you have any plugs no plugs no plugs yeah me neither i mean less skin fuck 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 plugs um i will (laughs) say i am going to i am working on doing a Cade cunningham hit piece all for James. Like Ooh, I sometimes I, I just it. it's not even a hit piece. I'm just like, can we like not compare this guy to like Luka Doncic right now? Because yeah, that's yeah. fucking not fair to him or Luka. Like, all right. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends, share us with your family, share us with the police officer that pulls you over for missing that red light because you're listening to the podcast and so engrossed <laughs> that you are dangerously driving. Um, so what do, we, what do, we, do we have any plans for next week? I guess we don't. Preseason. Nope. I guess we'll camp. figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, we'll get back to the Rockets roundup, everybody's favorite uh, part of the podcast. Yes, I can't wait. So any Rockets fans, definitely be sharing. Be like, yo, these guys, they talk about the Rockets and Nevin, Nevin hates the Rockets and James loves the Rockets. <laughs> it's a good dynamic. It really is. I'm realistic and he's, he's hopeful. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we'll be back next week. Thanks for sticking around and peace. Peace.